In the year 1519, a Spaniard set sail from the island of Cuba and headed west towards the unexplored region known as Mexico. The two years that followed were full of politics, deceit, war, pestilence, starvation, and the destruction of an entire civilization. This is definitely one of those historical tales that you think you might know the basics of, and then you hear the details and your fragile little minds are blown. And you know what? We just can't wait to tell you all about it. So, grab a drink, settle in, and watch us come roaring back from our winter break with this episode of Hunter Proof History titled The Fall of the Aztecs Part 1. Montezuma a meeting. <laughs> Get it? Like a Zoom meet. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hello, long time, ever faithful listener. I wish you a happy 2023. We're going to kick this year off right. And if you're a new listener, that wasn't meant for you at all. <laughs> uh, welcome into our show. This is 100 Proof History. I'm your main host, Greg, and I am joined by my sexy as always co-host, Christopher. Chris, how are you doing this year, man? Uh, uh, so far, not great. It's It's not off to the best start. Got COVID. Wife left me. Again, huh? Yeah. Dog died. Again, as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say died so much as was killed in very suspicious manner. Possibly by me when I was drunk. I don't know. You know I, You know, I get on that crystal meth, and I just don't know what I'm doing anymore. Also, my drug dealer stopped selling me crystal meth. This just, you know, I need this show to turn things around. Get my life back on track. I I really feel apart. How was uh how was your break? It was good, man. You know, it was busy. It was busy with me, you know, my families, my wife and her families, friends, you know, all that fucking bullshit. But the positive in all that, mm -hmm. I didn't have to do a single episode of the show. <laughs> oh, it's so freeing, so liberating. I oh. hate this show. <laughs> Well, seems like we uh, had the polar opposite experience there. Well, I'm under contract. So, yeah, that's true. You know, I need the structure. Okay, I need, <laughs> I need a focus in my life. Otherwise, I'm just gonna end up naked in a Seven Eleven again, shouting about the Illuminati. You know, just wagging my dick at the cashier. You get arrested in the basement of that pizza parlor and ping pong restaurant in New Jersey. Just again, covered in the blood of children. Yeah, you sick fuck. <laughs> but the podcast is back, so you know we don't have to worry about that. Oh yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the podcast, what's our topic for today, Chris? As if I don't know it. Well, today, Greg, you idiot. Uh, we're talking about the fall of the Aztec Empire, and we're starting with the story of Hernan Cortez, the man who brought about. The end of that empire, and we uh, for that we read our main source, Conquistador, by Buddy Levy. Sounds more like a '50s singer-songwriter. You know? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Should have died in a plane crash. 
You know, he writes a song about like saying hi to a girl in public and everybody's like, oh, that fucking pervert. That sex deviant pervert. We know what he means when he says hi to a girl. <laughs> Going in raw. <laughs> what else could it mean? I know. Read the Bible, people. You know it too. Anyway, Kiki Store, pretty good book. Page Turner. A lot of stuff I didn't know, obviously. So we put that into this show and uh, we think you're going to enjoy it. All right, I've had enough of this shit. Chris just said Page Turner. He reads all of this bullshit on a Kindle. <laughs> there are no fucking pages. He's a lying piece of shit. Join me in fighting against Chris and canceling this podcast. Please, <laughs> please help me cancel this podcast. I, I want him to breach contract, not me. Fucking Wolf Dick, our producer, has me under his thumb. It's goddamn bullshit. You don't turn a fucking page, Chris. Anyway, please continue. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I lied to a listener, but uh, it's a good screen flippy thing. Book. Oh, look at him squirm. Look at him squirm. <laughs> Go back on his words. Hmm. Classic flip flopper. Fucking waffling Chris. I have no morals stance. No, no strong opinion on anything. I just want to be loved. You're a wolf dick puppet. <laughs> well, after the way he punished me for these last few episodes, I'm trying to get on the guy's good side. Gave him a Christmas handy. Me and Hambone came over. Christmas Eve, read him the night before Christmas book, gave him the nice little gentle kiss on the forehead, left out milk and cookies for Santa, and then Hambone went to town on his giant hog member. And I think Wolf Dick's going to appreciate that, and he's going to stop being so mean to me in this show. Again, welcome all new listeners <laughs> in 2023. We are glad to have you. Oh, we were glad to have you. You've already turned off. Yeah. <laughs> well, bye. Yeah. To the other six of you who've been here since 2019, thanks for sticking <laughs> around. Six. <laughs> well, buddy, are you ready to start our first story of the year of our Lord 2023? It's what I was born to do, I feel like. And that makes me sad, but yes, I'll do it. I was born to record episode 125 at 42 years old. <laughs> oh, that's oddly specific, but okay, let's do it. Our story begins with a man named Hernan, not related to 1990s MTV extreme sport host, Dan Cortez. Do you think that's a good joke? I do. I think that's a fantastic joke. I have joke. no idea who that is. <laughs> you don't know who Dan Cortez is? Fuck where, no. Where were you from 1996 to 1998? In Colorado? Oh, I guess they didn't get MTV Extreme Sports there. They did. Very <laughs> obscure. Very obscure. Well, they're not related, so we don't need to talk about Dan Cortez anymore, okay? He's not related to this story. It's only in the first sentence of the fucking <laughs> story. Cool. All right. Welcome Starting back. strong in 2023. <laughs> Hernan was born in Medellin, Spain in 1485 to a poor family who struggled to put the frail and sickly Hernan through school. But when he was 14, he said, fuck your sacrifices, mom and dad. And he dropped out of university because he was bored. In 1504, at the sweet 
clean age of 19, Hernan Cortez set sail for the Caribbean islands, then known as the West Indies, as just another anonymous member of a ship's crew. When he arrived in Hispaniola, which is the modern-day Dominican Republic, Cortez sought out the governor, Diego Velasquez, and agreed to suppress a native uprising. Fucking natives. How dare they? They're just so... They're a constant inconvenience on (laughs) conquerors abound, you know? Right. Just give us all your money and your property and die. That's all we're asking. Fuck off. (laughs) Consider this area gentrified. (laughs) Oh, shit. Ah. There goes my home value just fucking skyrocketing. I'm going to rent forever. Cortez succeeded, and he was rewarded with a large plot of land that was just chock full of silver and copper mines and a relative army of native slaves to work the land, which effectively made Hernan rich and best bros with Governor Velasquez. But, sadly, their friendship fell apart because they made the classic, fatal mistake of ignoring a strict bros-before-hoes policy. Both men fell in love with a presumably smoking hot woman named Catalina Suarez. She has a hot name, but it was like 1504, so she probably wasn't so good at the hygiene. Yeah, it probably smelled like shit. (laughs) But, you know, that was was the standard at the time. That's just lady perfume back then. Sweat and menstrual blood dried all over her clothes. Poop. You know, that's one of the things that actually does bother me throughout history, is you find people constantly looking at events or, or things like this and judging it off of today. Mm-hmm. You know, the standards of today, whether it's like executions or that we'll get into later in this story, personal hygiene here, it's we're judging it off the standards of today. And that's not right. Yeah. Because back then that was normal. And, you know, it really bothers me when people like are being put on trial today for all this shit they did on January 6th, 2021. You know, like that was a different <laughs> time. That was a different time. Why are we going to judge them by the <laughs> standards of today? Oh. It's just, it's ridiculous, dude. We've become such an outrage culture that we are willing to throw these grand patriots in a <laughs> fucking cell. <laughs> oh. By the standards of today. Yeah. Even though that's ancient history. That's so old. Nothing just, happened. Let it go, man. Jeez. Nobody hung from those gallows they erected out front. Yeah. Over a year ago, almost two years ago, dude. Yeah, Donald Trump's not even president anymore. I don't, I don't even know why he's still living rent-free in you people's heads. Ancient history. God. Also, all that is a joke. <laughs> New listeners, yes. Unless you're an angry, disenfranchised young male, then we meant every word. Please subscribe to this and the Patreon. Anyway, uh, there's a... When Velasquez found out that Cortez was also getting all up in dim guts, he had Cortez arrested and thrown in the stocks. Cortez escaped, and Velasquez threatened to sue Cortez because he refused to marry Catalina after stealing her purity. At the Catalina wine mixer Suarez. <laughs> I mean, Suarez. Oh, there you go. I don't... <laughs> That's kind of, like, I guess she was ruined forever now. 
Like, oh, I'm gonna sue you. You had sex with her first. Ah! Fucking incel. Again, judging people from history by the standards of today is probably not the right way. Whatever. He's an incel and he's awful. The Capitol riot shit, that was all a joke. But (laughs) there is an actual point about history. Yeah. Which I will ignore for the rest of the show and continue to make modern day equivalencies. Proceed. Proceed. Well, it took some time, but the men did make up. And in early 1519, Cortez agreed to sail from Cuba to the mostly unexplored lands in the West as an agent of Velazquez. Now, Velazquez paid a big chunk of the bill for this expedition in exchange for Cortez's promise that he bring back gold and slaves to Cuba. As he sailed away with his 11 ships and 500 men, Cortez probably giggled like an idiot and said a quiet psych because he had no intention of honoring his deal with Velazquez. Jerk. One of those guys that borrows your car, and then he doesn't put gas in it when he brings it back. Modern reference to history. Did it again. Fuck. Nailed him. And he also bangs your smelly fiance, chaste as she was. <laughs> Boom. Brought it back. Ancient Damn. History. Damn. But not, not ancient, still modern era, but fuck you, Chris. Fuck you. Stop doing it. But the fiance still smelled and was chaste. <laughs> Uno reverse card. Played. <laughs> Draw four, bitch. <laughs> no! God damn it. His first stop was the island of Cozumel. Hernan's ship was the last to arrive. When he got there, he was hot pissed that one of his captains, Pedro Alvarado, had already raided a coastal village and stolen about 40 turkeys. Good bowler. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't laugh at that. I shouldn't reward you with my laughter. Mm -mm. Cortez apologized to his island hosts and gave them some green glass beans and bells to smooth things over. Now... You guys are probably thinking, you know, I've been doing this whole modern thing, but you're probably thinking, man, that's that's kind of not a big deal, right? You would, glass beads, like give them little trinkets, and it makes them feel worthy and uh, appreciated. But let me tell you a little story. I used to be a streetwalker, Greg. Used to work the streets of West Hollywood, and then one day this guy pulls up, and he just needs company. He asked me to live with him for like a month. So I go live with him. We fall in love. Jason Alexander makes a pass at me, and he defends my honor. Okay. And then one day, you know, he he presents me with this necklace, and it's so beautiful, and it makes me feel just so valued and wonderful. And then he snapped it close on my fingers, and I laughed, like, so hard, like, inappropriately hard, because it wasn't funny. It was actually, it hurt my fingers quite a bit. But uh, it all fell apart, man, once I... Walked into him and he had that gerbil up his ass. Pretty woman. That's what he called you. That's what he called me. Taught you how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> yep. Oh. Good movie. Movie? They made a movie about you, Chris. You're entitled to a ton of royalties. <laughs> You're actually rich. God. Congratulations. Thank. Oh, sweet. I hope they got somebody incredibly attractive to play me and not somebody with like a really big teeth. Yeah, dude. Uh, Julie Roberts is just disgustingly ugly. <laughs> Classic incel over here. I'm sure you'd just kick her right out of bed. Yeah, she better have filth all over her, be covered in menstrual blood and shit. And 
you know, just dirty, chaste. You know, like the girl from earlier in this episode that I was mocking. Why would she be covered in menstrual blood and shit? Well, you know, they don't have toilet paper. I think you have a very skewed <laughs> perception of the past. <laughs> yeah, you know, when they didn't have TVs, like, you know, back in the 40s, they just stared at the fucking wall. They stared at literal gypsum. Prove me they wrong. They just stared. Prove me wrong. And they were aliens, and they had three dicks. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Can't prove it. Can't prove it. Can't do it, listener. Chris is right. <laughs> All right, I'm fucking up. Anyway, after giving him the bells and the glass beads, Cortez also made sure that all the natives saw his men firing off fancy crossbows and cannons and shit, so they'd understand that he could totally kick their asses if he wanted to. It was on Cozumel that Cortez learned from the natives that a few years earlier, some Spaniards had set out for the mainland and had been captured and were being held as slaves. Sex slaves. <laughs> I'm just kidding, that would be terrible. You mentioned earlier, I'm 42. All the Beto's in the trash. And the dick doesn't work most of the time. I don't. I don't want that job. I don't want to be the sex slave. Like I would rather be put to work building the pyramids. Please. Those weren't actually slaves. But maybe we'll get into that another time in a future episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant in the Cortez story. I'm like, yeah, they were. They were slaves. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cortez asked the chief if they would go rescue his men The chief didn't like that idea But then Cortez greased his palms with some shiny glass beads And the islanders set out on the rescue mission In the meantime, Cortez smashed all of the island idols Scrubbed their altars, put up a cross And said, you worship that now Which is probably pretty confusing your beliefs don't make sense to me. All these gods, there's only one god, and he's a carpenter that's been dead for 1,500 years. He's got a big white beard. <laughs> and red robe thing, and he brings presents down the chimney. <laughs> you mean the thing that we cook on? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're getting coal. You mean the thing we cook on? <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> this is why you will die. Well, when the native raiding party returned, they came with the two Spaniards that had been captured. One had earned his freedom through work. He had married a chief's daughter, he had two kids, and decked himself out with tattoos and jade piercings. He wasn't super psyched to be back with his Spanish brethren, and he bailed as soon as he could. The other, Geronimo de Aguilar, was a priest who hadn't been swayed by hot, sweaty, dirty... Yucatan jungle sex, and he was thrilled to join Cortez. And, as an added bonus, he spoke the same language as the Mayans who lived along the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula. Cortez and his men soon set sail for the mainland, and on March 22nd, they reached the mouth of the Tabasco River near the native settlement of Pontonchan. He was soon met by Tabascan warriors paddling out in their canoes who promptly told him that the country was closed. Cortez said, Bros, I just want to trade. No cap. And that means he's not lying for people who aren't cool like me and don't speak the, the really cool lingo that all the kids are talking. Ah, uh, they all know that, dude. They're all 12. Oh, that's true. 
Just sweet, clean 12-year-olds with their whole lives in front of them. Rich for the stars and not end up a depressed person doing a podcast in their 40s because it's their only way out of the life they've built for themselves. Yes, correct. The, them. That, okay, cool. Just make sure we're talking about the same listeners. Mm-hmm. That 12. <laughs> I want to go back to 12. I want to start over. I fuck this up. I would have to go back to like eight <laughs> before the, the wheels were set in motion for what exists today. <laughs> well, in response to his offer to trade, the warriors told him they'd ask the chief and told Cortez to meet them in town the next day. Now, instead of doing what they said they would do, the warriors rushed home, hid their women and children in the jungle, and then started building barricades and traps along the Tabasco River. The next morning, Cortez sailed upriver toward the town. As they approached, they were met by the Tabascan chiefs, who once again told the Spaniards to fuck right off. Undaunted, Cortez read a notice that was legally required by the Spanish government that informed the Tabascans that they were now under Spanish rule, all of their religious beliefs were nonsense, and they were all Christians now. The Tabascans responded by hurling stones, spears, and arrows at the Spanish. Very rude. He tried to do it the legal way. You know, you got the documents that told them they were basically his property now. Just a very rude response. Well, I don't know. They fell in line with Christians, historically. <laughs> it's true. It's a religion of peace on paper, at least, right? Aren't they all? What followed was a quick skirmish in which Cortez tragically lost one of his boots in the river. God damn it. It was a nice boot, too. Spanish leather. High heel. Sequins all over it. Gone forever. Pointy toe. Oh, yeah, that, that really long, curly, pointy toe thing. Mm-hmm. Had a bell on the end of it. Man. History can just be awful sometimes, you know? Yeah. Humanity. Ugh. Irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Irreplaceable. I mean, something akin to a child, you know? Yeah. If one of your children was abducted and hanged and drawn and quartered, as an example, mm -hmm. to the tribe. I mean, same, same. Yeah. I, it's awful. They, people it's don't understand. Awful. Yeah. You want to talk about these little... You see what these glass beads are going for. Mm -hmm. The goodwill it garners by giving and trading glass beads. Imagine a sequin fucking pointy-toed boot with a bell on the end. You stupid fucking idiot listener. <laughs> and Chris. Yep. And, and everybody but me. <laughs> well, it's gone forever. We'll never find that boot. My search continues. <laughs> well, that was the only loss the Spanish suffered, and the Tabascans were forced to flee their settlement and hide in the jungle. That night, a Spanish patrol captured three warriors who told Cortez that 25,000 men were coming to destroy his paltry army of 500 soldiers. Cortez released the prisoners and repeated, Hey bro, just want to make some trades. Just make some deals here. As soon as they were gone, however, he had all of his men throw on their steel armor and move into strategic positions. The following day, the Tabascans charged into an open field to battle the Spanish. It was then that Cortez and his cavalry attacked from the rear <laughs> and devastated the Tabascans, 
who had never seen a horse before. That's gotta be fucking freaky. Like, you've lived somewhere thousands of years, and all of a sudden these dudes are on top of these giant fucking animals, just coming at you in their metal armor. Oh, yeah. It's like alien encounter. That's like why the aliens always destroy us in the movies, because it's just like, we're so fucking primitive. And then Randy Quaid has to sacrifice himself, fly his jet into their mothership. And that teaches us all how to defeat them. Greatest documentary I've ever seen. <laughs> Best president. Best president we've ever had. Oh, yeah, dude. Do you even fucking listen to that speech daily like I do? <laughs> no. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Been doing it since 94, dude. Just naked in the bathroom, putting on lipstick and just staring at the mirror and that speech is playing with the patriotic music as soon as he finishes you're like fuck yeah let's go and you like smash your fist in the mirror hell yeah yeah me too i role play a lot in that movie actually yeah yeah like uh it remind <laughs> when i was in high school i grew up my hair real long mm-hmm. dyed it gray shaved the top of it bald and wore glasses and i was like that scientist oh yeah the one that at gets- area 51 and yeah. then I, you know pretended to die <laughs> and then that that one time, um, I kidnapped that little kid, and I acted like I was Will Smith's wife from that movie. She was really pretty, <laughs> and I I tried to be really pretty. I got in a lot of trouble for that one, a lot of trouble, especially when I approached the first lady in Apollo Rebel <laughs> that I had created. <laughs> I'm actually recording this from ADX Florence in Colorado. So. <laughs> I'm in max security. They have no idea I have this small little hand recorder. It was in my butt. <laughs> well, it's nice of you to use your 23 hours of confinement to spread a little joy for people, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. But I- anyway, great movie. Yeah. I also role-played as the uh, the scientist. I didn't really dress up. I just put a belt around my neck and, like, pulled on it and shouted, release me, until I orgasmed. Until you released yeah. Mm. But it was inspired by that movie. I, I mean, obviously, everything I just said was a joke. <laughs> what is not a joke is that I did role play. Let's see. This was back when I was about 19 years old. You know, I'd first gone into the military and all that. And I started role playing uh, Randy Quaid's character. Oh, yeah? You know, the drunk uncle. Yeah. And uh, it's been going on ever since. <laughs> It's been, yeah, it's been a long journey. I've nailed that character. <laughs> Except for the bravery part. Yeah. I'd get in that plane. I'd be like, I'm going to fucking kill him. And I'd get in that plane and I'd fly far the fuck away from that spaceship <laughs> and land somewhere and like, oh, God. Well, my family's dead. Fuck, I'm still here. The strong survive, Chris. The strong survive. <laughs> well, just like horses. The Tabascan warriors had also never seen anything like the cannons and muskets that the Spanish had brought with them. They fled in terror after losing 800 warriors. The next day, the Tabascan chiefs approached with gifts of gold and 20 slave women. Cortez was super stoked to see the gold and asked where they could get more. The Tabascans assured Cortez they didn't have any more gold, but if he fucked off to the northwest, there was a magical place called Mexico that was just lousy with the stuff. Among the women offered as slaves 
was a sweet, clean, hopefully legal teenage girl named Malinche, who spoke Mayan and several other dialects. And she was dressed like Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. Because that's how all slave girls are dressed, in my mind's eye. Chris, I've noticed you've really been taking this slave thing lightly this episode. <laughs> Making a lot of jokes. You know what? She was very sexy as a <laughs> slave. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. Leaned out on that couch. Like Jabba. Mm-hmm. Draw me like one of your French girls. Yep. And, an, and another autoerotic asphyxiation scene that really awoke something in me. Mm. She wrapped that chain around Jabba and just... Mm, mm. Oh, yeah. I was like, yes, mommy. Do it. Hmm. <laughs> Much like Han Solo, my penis was frozen in carbonite. <laughs> well, Malinche would soon become Cortez's main interpreter, and also his main squeeze. After a short journey, Cortez arrived in Veracruz on Good Friday. It was here that he met chiefs who gave him small gold trinkets and fine featherwork in exchange for wine and blue beads. They were on a little string. You just... Plop them in there one by one, and then boop, boop, boop. I think you're supposed to pull it like a lawnmower. <laughs> just add, have a day laborer put his foot on your ass and just rip that thing out of there. <laughs> a day laborer? Yeah. Can't mow your own lawn? Well, I, I, can't, I can mow my own lawn. I can't rip my own anal beads out like a lawnmower. Not with, I don't have the leverage. Oh, okay. Good point. They have banned me from going to that Home Depot and picking guys up, by the way. I pull up my car and every single one of those guys just like start shaking their head. Not again. Not again. Ah, sequin boots. What's up, rich boy? (laughs) Hop in. Have I got a job for you? (laughs) Okay. No, senor. No, senor. No mas. No mas. Yes, Moss. <laughs> Fucking yes, Moss. <laughs> these chiefs told him that their governor, Tendile, would like to meet with him, and he would arrive in a few days. This is also when Hernan Cortez first heard of their magnificent and powerful ruler, a man named Montezuma. Born in 1480, Montezuma had been trained as a priest and rose to become the leader of the Aztec Empire in 1503. He ruled over the city-state of Tenochtitlan and two others, Texcoco and Tacuba. His palace was immense, and he lived there with his two wives, countless concubines, and more than 500 servants and emissaries. He was treated as a god, and ordinary Aztec citizens dared not to gaze upon him directly under the threat of death. Same rules Greg gave me when we started this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. No eye contact. I will fucking murder you. It was a it was a fun introduction. I'm just gonna say. Naturally, Cortez was super horny to meet this Montezuma. So when Tendile arrived bearing gifts and provisions, Cortez offered him a really nice hat and an armchair that he hoped Montezuma would sit in when they met. Tendile said, "Quote, well, whoa, whoa, partner, hold your horses, whatever those are." Let me see if he even wants to meet you. Ting! That was tobacco noise. I say that after I spit tobacco out. End quote. End quote. 
end quote. Yes. He, oh, he said, he said end quote, <laughs> and, then, and then we have to end the quote. From him saying end quote, we actually end the quote. I'm going to start doing that in normal conversation. Like, hey, how you doing? End quote. I'm going to be somebody someday. I'm going to say end quote, and that's going to fuck up future people. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just want to see how long it takes common decency to run out. People say, why the fuck do you say it like that? What are you, what's wrong with you? Probably two times. Y- you think? Yeah. You'd say it two times and somebody's be like, what? 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 <laughs> a few days later, Tindile returned with a ton of gold and jewelry for Cortez to show him how rich and powerful Montezuma was. It also came with a message that Montezuma didn't want to meet Cortez and he should fuck off back to Spain. But seeing all that gold, Cortez's eyes turned into dollar signs. He said his king would be awfully mad if Cortez turned back without meeting a great and powerful ruler such as Montezuma. Tendile headed back to Tenochtitlan to tell Montezuma that Cortez wasn't leaving. Upon his arrival, he told Montezuma about how these guys were all decked out in iron, they had iron swords and iron bows, and they rode upon these giant fucking deer that were the size of a goddamn house. This was kind of a bad omen for the deeply religious Montezuma, because it sounded an awful lot like the prophesied destruction of his empire brought about by the return of the feathered serpent god Quetzalcoatl. And wouldn't you know it, Cortez had arrived on the Aztec date of one reed, which was the date Quetzalcoatl was supposed to return, and it only came about every 52 years. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Tendile arrived back on the coast a few days later and met with Cortez for the third time. This time he brought even more gifts. He looked Cortez dead in the eye and said, Take this shit, get the fuck out, and he left without waiting for a reply. A whole lot of the Spaniards were pretty miserable on the marshy coast where they were busy running out of food and contracting malaria, so they were kind of for the idea of going home with a bunch of sweet swag. Instead, Cortez said, Quote, Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna resign my commission under Governor Velasquez. I'm gonna start a new colony here that I will rule, and then we'll all get super rich. End quote. End quote. Nice, dude. Fucking nice. <laughs> Thank you. Very accurate dialect there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's impressive. I feel like I'm going to lose you as a co-host on this podcast to be some sort of translator of ancient languages or something. I hope that I lose you as a uh, co-host of this podcast. Sorry, I have something in my throat. End of sentence. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just trying my best. I'm out here. Putting the work in. That's all I can Doing say. Doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Please breach the contract of this podcast. <laughs> now, a few men loyal to Velasquez objected to this betrayal, but Cortez just had them shackled and locked in the boats until they learned their lesson, and they were allowed to leave time out. The Spaniards moved inland, where they came across the home of the Totonac tribe. The Totonacs invited Cortez and his scouts into their town, sensing a trap Cortez sent his scouts ahead to investigate the Totonacs, especially their temple. It was there that the scouts discovered the bodies of freshly sacrificed young boys. Ooh, I'm listening. All right. <laughs> Getting into my wheelhouse now. Yeah. Let's go. That's what your your uncle's ears just perked up, didn't they? 
Uh, yes, my uncle. <laughs> Recording this for him for next year's Christmas. <laughs> Get this lotion bottle. All right, go. The walls of the temple were covered in blood, and the boys' hearts were set out on plates surrounded by sharp blood-covered obsidian blades. <laughs> Continue. Sorry, you get that noise on your end? I, I was picking up a a very, I don't know, like skin and... Like static? Or? Yeah, yeah, something maybe, I don't know, like a slappy <clears throat> noise. I don't know. It's no. Real. no, we'll take care of it in post-production. Okay, cool. The scouts reported back to Cortez, who was horrified and demanded to speak with the leader of the tribe. A big, giant, fat dude soon arrived being carried in a litter by many attendants. Through Malinche, Cortez learned that just recently the Aztecs had conquered the Totonacs and had been demanding a constant stream of Totonac citizens to be given to the Aztecs to be used in their human sacrifice rituals. The chief then told Cortez that if he pitched in his 500 dudes with their giant deer, crossbows, and cannons, he could offer Cortez a massive army of warriors, numbering in the hundreds of thousands, and they could take out Montezuma together. Cortez shouted, fuck yeah, bro, and high-fived the chief. But if you've been paying attention, you probably know that Cortez is a lying liar, and that chief was soon to find out that old Hernan was not to be trusted. You good? You're all flush. Your face is all red and flush, like you've been exerting yourself while I was talking. Are you talking to me? Yeah. You, you all or right? the other person that's not on this... What? Yeah, fine, dude. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. What do you mean? I'm sorry. I, I just... <sighs> I'm fine, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about you. Why don't we take a break? And you? I would love to. <laughs> okay. I'd love to. Yeah. Can we? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's take a break. We'll come back. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, welcome back from what I would like to consider one of our many innovations here at Hunter Proof History, the commercialist break. You know, you, we go to break and you're thinking, oh shit, here it comes. Here comes the ad for the mattress or the socks or whatever bullshit this podcast is going to sell me. No, no, we do not do commercials in our break. We ambush you with commercials throughout the show. <laughs> Be like, you're about to find out who the killer is on the mystery show, and right as the thing reveals himself, boom, AIDS medicine, or whatever they're selling. Boom. This podcast is YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Except we only give you one ad, all right? Yep. Unlike Google, you only get one ad here, all right? Yeah. And we're, we're kind of double innovators in this sense, because uh, new listeners won't know this. Old listeners are well aware we don't just research these stories, maybe read a book or whatever. We go the extra mile, right? We we dig deep. We find things you might not know exist. And uh, we hoard them for ourselves and for you, the listeners. So we have a double whammy right here. Wolf Dick's about to play you. It is an ad. 
We are getting money from this, but it's also an ancient piece of audio recording for a business that existed 500 years ago. It's a thin premise. I know. I've stretched it very thin, <laughs> but here we go. Wolf Dick, hit it. Hola. My name is Senor Capitan Hernan Cortez. I have traveled across the seven seas, risking both life and limb to fulfill my life's purpose handed to me by God himself. Nothing in this world can stop me. Some call me loco, crazy, insane. Well, maybe I am insane. Insane for your gold! That's right, mis amigos. I'm practically obsessed with gold, and I will pay top glass bead prices to get it from you. Have you recently gone through a bitter divorce and want to offload ten years of disappointing Valentine's Day presents? Come see Hernan! Did your grandfather die with a gorgeous Prince Edward piercing in his ancient penis? Come see Hernan! I will suck that jewel-encrusted dead dong until I get what I'm after, and I'll pay you for the privilege! I know what you're thinking. Hanan, this is too good to be true. How do I find you? Worry not, my friend, because I will soon be coming to your village to take your gold, convert you to my religion, and infect you with diseases your body is nowhere near equipped to fight off. So get ready, because crazy Hernan is a human, and he's coming for your gold! Interesting. Uh, it's funny, they used the same advertising music as Subway. It's a classic, man. You just can't get away from it. <laughs> Whoever created that jingle must be just a multi-millionaire. <laughs> yeah. That's where the real money is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Go see Crazy or Non if you have some gold offload. We do get a cut. You know, tell them Hunter Proof History sent you. Uh, in the meantime, Greg... I think we're we're probably ready to dive back into the story, but before we do, we have to dive back into what should actually be a sponsored segment. Our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Three, two, one. Pop your tops. Ah. Yep, still a seltzer. Delicioso. Muscle minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, we have the second half of this story ready to go, but we need you. We need your assistance. Are you ready to do this for us? See. Si. All right. <laughs> On delay. Okay. <laughs> Shortly after Cortez allied with the Totenox, a group of Aztec priests arrive in the Totonac capital for their weekly collection of men, women, and children to sacrifice to their gods. When they found out that the Totonacs had given aid to the Spaniards without consulting with Montezuma, they said, Fuck you! Add 20 more young dudes to the sacrifice pile! When a uh, Señor Hernán Cortés heard about this, he told the Totonac chief to take the Aztec priests as prisoners and put them in Cortez's custody. The chief was apprehensive to piss off the Aztecs, but Cortez said, Trust me, bro, in a really, really convincing manner, and the chief did as Cortez asked. That night, however, Cortez freed two of the priests, 
gave them food and wine, and explained that he had told the chief not to arrest them before sending them back to Montezuma. The next morning, the chiefs were hot pissed that the Aztecs had escaped and threatened to execute the rest. Cortez pretended to be pissed too and said, Let's not kill them. We'll just put them on one of our boats. <laughs> and that night, he secretly released them to Montezuma as well. <laughs> That's like when my wife found out she had herpes. And I'm like, I'm mad too. Uh, how could this happen? Uh, let's go get that guy, babe. Let's go beat up that toilet seat. Uh, uh, I'm so mad. I'm suing Walmart. Uh, they they got to clean their bathrooms better. And that night, like the others before them, he secretly released them to Montezuma. Cortez then went to work building his new Spanish settlement. Using a couple hundred Totonac men as labor, the colony of Villa Rica de la Veracruz was soon under construction. And by late June 1519, the first buildings were up and the first settlement of New Spain was founded. It was around the same time that Cortez decided the Totonacs had to stop the act of human sacrifice and convert to Christianity because he wouldn't be a good friend if he just sat by and let them follow their quote-unquote false beliefs. Ugh, I hate born-again Christians that do this. I guess it could be born-again in any religion, but in America it's mostly the, the guys who were like methed out and spent like all of their 20s in rehab and jail and they get converted to Christianity and they all of a sudden they're judging you because you were the guy who gave them blowjobs in the truck stop bathroom, quote unquote. And so you're a heathen. Yes, it's ridiculous. Like, dude, fuck off. You, mm-hmm. You've been like this uh, saintly person for two and a half fucking weeks mm-hmm. and you're judging me? Piece of shit. I remember one time when I was in the Air Force, I went in t- uh, to the mall in the... Uh, it was by the base that I was at at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went into the Forever 21, and the person at the checkout was like, have you been born again? I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, are you born again Christian? And I was like, are you going to fucking check me out or what? <laughs> like, Is that a requirement for Forever 21? Oh, did I say Forever 21? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I meant um, Dillard's or that knife shop. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. more manly. Sorry. That, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Whatever shop sells tobacco, guns, beer, and truck nuts. That's where I was. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I threw them truck nuts right on my Prius. <laughs> them suckers dragged the ground when I hit a speed bump. Then you got sparks coming off the truck nuts. Tell me what's more American than that. <laughs> I'm manly as fuck. Cashier is like, sir, would you like this Jesus fish to put next to your truck nuts? He's like, what are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Well, Cortez and his men went to the Totonac Temple, which was guarded by warriors. Cortez said, I'm a Christian and I'll fucking kill you all right here now if you do not convert to my religion of a pizza. It's peace. He not religion of pizza. I get it with his accent. You might think pizza, but religion of peace. The chief relented, and the people screamed and cried as the Spanish tossed all the Totonac idols out of the temple, smashed them, and set them on fire for good measure. 
Cortez then had the blood and human viscera cleaned from the temple and converted it into an altar complete with cross and Virgin Mary statue. He even instructed the Totonacs on candle making so they could keep a candle lit at the altar at all times. You don't keep that candle lit, God won't love you. <laughs> it's like the most boring part of the tour of Colonial Williamsburg is the candle making exercise, and he's forcing these people to sit through it. It's the worst form of torture. <laughs> Your baby will go to hell if it does not get baptized. <laughs> I know it doesn't have a clue what's going on, but that's the original sin. Mm -hmm. Sorry, baby can't go to heaven. <laughs> what would a baby heaven look like? Uh, you know, rattles, tits everywhere, just tits out all over the place. What if it was my baby and then I went to heaven and I wanted to be with my baby? My baby was like, I don't want to watch fucking football. And <laughs> it's always been my thing about heaven. Like, do I get to be with the people that I miss? Yeah. Or, or not? I got a lot and of questions. My version of heaven, like, what if that's their version of hell? Yeah. Where does this existential crisis on a podcast? Yeah, I've I've had the same issues where people are like, "Well, you got to pray and you got to do all this or repent or you're not going to heaven." I'm like, "Are you going to heaven?" Yeah. Are are you my loved one and you would like to spend time with me in the afterlife? It'll just be a hologram of you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, we've all talked about it. We think it'll be a better version of you. <laughs> We kind of want the real version of you to go to hell. <laughs> Not going to lie. It's just a overweight, greasy version of Siri. Just up there answering your questions about what time it is. So, y'all got any uh, history trivia you, you want to? You, you, you guys are sick of history trivia? Okay, well. <laughs> All right, I'll just go back to hell. Let me know when you, when you want to do history trivia. Calvin Coolidge, <laughs> preemptively answering. Just kidding, guys. Bye. <laughs> well, despite these successes, the men of the Spanish expedition were getting a little restless. They were hungry and tired and suffering from tropical disease. And to make things worse, Cortez decided to send all the gold and, you know, all that cool shit and Nintendos and all that that they'd gotten to, to that point and, you know, send them right back to Spain. To prove how awesome he was and how he deserved to be governor of New Spain. Cortez wasn't deaf to their pleas, however. He understood the complaints of his men and knew they wanted nothing more than to go back home. So he had his shipmasters bore holes in the boats, strip them of all of their hardware, and in his kind, benevolent nature, ordered all of the ships sunk or run aground. <laughs> Tight. It's a good leader, man. It reminds me of what my dad did when him and my mom were going through a divorce. Like, if we flew to Disney World, he thought that was going to save the family, you know, and started going through all the parks. And then they started fighting, of course, you know, they're, they're in a small world, and they're, she's just beating the shit out of them, and he's drunk again. I don't know how he got drunk at Disney World, because back then you couldn't buy alcohol, but he was. And so he just gets out of that boat, and starts pissing on the tickets, the airline tickets back home. It says, oh, we fucking God. live here now. It's a small war for all of us. Jesus. He grabbed one of those animatronic children. And he said, I'm keeping this one. You can have that one. And he pointed at me. And um, 
I think all in all, though, I enjoyed the trip. I think we had a good time at Disney World, you know? <laughs> you had Ariel down there like, I want to go where the people go. All the dads yelling and pissing on tickets. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go where the people get, what do you call them? Divorces. (laughs) (laughs) I know a Disney bitch. No kids knowing Disney. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Well, with no other options. Cortez and the Spaniards decided it was high time to press on towards Tenochtitlan and Montezuma. To do so, they'd have to cross through a mountain range known today as the Trans-Mexican Volcanic Belt. Greg Abbott is pissed about that one, by the way. <laughs> he is so mad about all of that. He's like, back in my day, we called them she-male Mexican Volcanic Belts. If it was up to me, we'd call him the She-Man Illegal Volcanic Belt. (laughs) I'd be hopping mad if I could hop. So I'd put some springs on this thing. That guy is a go-kart of hate. (laughs) (laughs) They left in August, and by the time they reached the high-altitude town of... First of all, that was gold. Just starting with the Greg Abbott would hate all of those words. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Go card of hate. So good. I read it somewhere. You take credit for it. You steal it. Never mention it. I will. I will. They left in August, and by the time they reached the high altitude town, of Zocotlan, they were exhausted, dehydrated, and incredibly vulnerable. But luckily for them, the people of Zocotlan were friendly and provided them aid. They remained hospitable even after Cortez lost his shit when he saw a rack holding thousands of human skulls and the corpses of 50 recently sacrificed men, women, and, you guessed it, children. Oh, not Trans-Mexican Volcanic Belts. Okay. No. Mm-mm. The Trans-Mexican Volcanic Belts, though, in case you're curious what they look like, is they're kind of like bedazzled mm-hmm. with sugar skulls, and they have little like fuegos, little like fire emoji type bedazzles around them. Damn. Between that and the boots that Cortez lost in the first part of the story? Mm-hmm. Man, these guys have... with bells on the tips? Oh, yeah. Man, these guys have some massively awesome fashion sense. I just talked about a trans-Mexican belt. (laughs) It's volcanic because there's little fire sequins around it. It's fine. (laughs) Now, human sacrifice might shock you and your... Delicate modern sensibilities, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would be fucking terrified. Uh, <laughs> but it was a hugely important part of life for the Aztec people. In fact, they believed it ensured the daily rising of the sun, brought in rain, increased fertility, and was vital to pretty much every major festival and ceremony ever in all of existence. I like that logic, though. Like, 
Hey, we killed somebody yesterday. Sun came up today. Well, fuck, we better do it today again. <laughs> Nailed it. The sacrificed victims were typically war captives from enemy tribes, or like we said earlier, they were offered as tributes from small tribes to the larger empire of Montezuma. The victims would be led to high altars by five priests and laid on special stones that depicted the sun. Four of the priests would grab one of the victim's limbs and hold them down, while the final priest placed a collar on the victim's neck. That priest would then plunge an obsidian blade into the victim's chest and remove his still-beating heart, which would be raised to the sky in a ceremonial offering. Their skulls would then be removed and placed on the racks in town center as a reminder of the power of the Aztec religion. And also, because they look kind of badass. <laughs> as Cortez and the Spanish began to recover and plan their next move, Cortez asked the people of Zacatlan to send four chiefs to the next stop on the road to Tenochtitlan, the city-state of Tlaxcala, to let the inhabitants know he was coming, and he was, like, a super friendly, ultra-chill ultra, ultra chill dude, so... Well. Also human. I'm a human, and I'm coming! No need to keep your guard up. <laughs> just, just me. No big deal. I, I don't, I don't kill children of sacrifices like some people. So <laughs> nothing to worry about. <laughs> you boys got any of that gold? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, I laugh like that. <laughs> Sorry, that's my natural laughter. I can't help it. <laughs> Here comes the text from the wife. What are you doing up there? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you like this is the text I literally just got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the fucking studio. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> well... Turns out, Cortez had understandably earned a reputation as someone who couldn't be trusted. The Tlaxcalans decided they were going to let Cortez enter their territory, then they were going to ambush the Spanish, then they were going to sacrifice them, then <laughs> they were going to eat them. Nom, 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 <laughs> now that's what I call a sack lunch. <laughs> Sacrificed lunch. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Cortez entered the walled-off city-state through its only entrance and was at once confronted by a small raiding party that unseated two cavalrymen from their horses and beat the horses to death. So they answered the question in the affirmative when they were asked, if Jack helped you off the horse, would you help Jack off the horse? Like, yes, I would help Jack off the horse, and then I would beat the horse to death. I do not understand your riddle. <laughs> Yes, I would help Jack off the horse. And then I'd be like, ooh, you look like a, a tough horse that's worked all day. And then I would masturbate the horse. <laughs> to relieve its tension. Well played. Hernan Cortez and his infantry were able to drive the warriors off. But he then saw, emerging from a rise behind the city, 40 thousand 
class Colin warriors marching in organized ranks, which was something Cortez had not encountered before. The warriors charged, but after a brief skirmish, they were turned back and ran away, as if they were terrified of the Spaniards. The following day, however, the Tlaxcalans reappeared and once again attacked. This time, Cortez formed his relatively tiny army into a quadrangle formation. And uh, we totally know what that is. It's four-sided formation. Quad. Triangle. It's a triangle. But four. <laughs> but it's not a square or a rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it either. It's a rhombus. Stupid Shut idiots. And he, with this <laughs> quote-unquote made-up word quadrangle, <laughs> end quote, <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely moved straight through the ranks of the Tlaxcalans as their cannons fired from the flanks. Once again, the warriors were forced to flee the battlefield. The Spanish only lost one soldier, a man named Moron, or, if you're reading it, <laughs> Moron. <laughs> Just over there, pants down, trying to keep the troops entertained. He was the Original USO, but I guess it'd be Spanish SO, so SSO. Just like, hey guys, look at me, I'm a clown. He's got his face painted, <laughs> twirling his dick. That's what the USO does. Yes. <laughs> I know, I was in the service, I saw a lot of their shows. When I was in Iraq and famous wrestler Kurt Angle came over with mm -hmm. Robin Williams, that's what they did. They got makeup <laughs> and twirled their dicks. Robin Williams was very hairy. They called him Bob Hope because it was... Bob, I hope I see his dick tonight. It'll make me feel better about this war I'm fighting. Senior. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Hope Senior, and that's all the subtexts and middle names. Yeah. It's actually on his birth certificate, but nobody knows that. He had to change his name, went into show business. It's an eight-point font on his uh, birth certificate. Because <laughs> they didn't leave a lot of room back then, because people had very simple names. Yeah. Uh, also, little known fact, it's in sans serif, so it's funny <laughs> to read his name on his birth certificate <laughs> from 1909. Font joke. Bow, bow. Wait till you hear my wingdings material. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in for a treat. Courier New Times? Well, it's been around for 40 years. How new Hello. is it? <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with airline peanuts, anyway? <laughs> Where the fuck am I? <laughs> moron. Oh, yeah. Well, after Moron died, uh, that night, the Tlaxcalan priests gathered and sacrificed a whole bunch of people to their god to try to figure out how to defeat the Spanish. They decided that the Spaniards weren't gods, but did gain their power from Earth's yellow sun. Ah, oh, fucking genius. God, ingenuity, you know? Yeah. Once you get the fucking minds on this shit, that's how you learn how to defeat an army. Hey, hold, I got an idea. Hold on, hold on. We've only fought these guys during the day, and they kick our ass. They beat the shit out of us. What if they're just like Superman from the DC Comics, and all of their power comes from the sun? And if we fight them without the sun, <gasps> promote that man. Steve, you are a fucking genius. And a general. Congratulations, Steve. 
I'm gonna go so, home and fuck my wife tonight. I mean tomorrow, because tonight we're fighting the Spanish. <laughs> All right, fellas. Kick in the door. You ever fucked a hero, babe? <laughs> tonight you're gonna be saying Steve's name for a change. <laughs> Not Jamalathlon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like Chris said, they decided on a night attack. No sun, no power. These big old lefties, you know, the solar panel on the roofs and then... uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> clouds roll in and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> God, January 6th brothers should have won. <laughs> I'm not saying any of that. People will start to think we're serious. <laughs> well, we already made the jokes in the first half. Let's just keep going. We convince... 37% of them were serious. The other ones think we're joking. We get everybody. The whole audience. <laughs> well, that wound up being a huge mistake, and another defeat ensued. The Aztecs had been watching these battles from afar, and although the Tlaxcalans were their enemies, they were really disappointed that the Spanish kept winning battles. You know, the whole idea about your enemies fighting is you want them to take each other out. Mm-hmm. And the Spanish are just fucking annihilating them <laughs> and are the stronger foe. So it's like, uh, a little more, you know, collateral damage. Yeah. A little more attrition. That'd go a long way. They once again sent a delegation to Cortez with even more cool shit. They said that Montezuma had decided he would become a vassal of Spain and would send gold, slaves, women, same thing. And Jade to the king of Spain every year if Cortez would kindly fuck right off back to his own country. Cortez took the gifts from the Aztecs and once again said his daddy king would be really mad if Cortez didn't actually meet with Montezuma. (sighs) So he was just going to keep on keeping on. Sorry, man. That reminds me of when I was a kid. And like I said earlier, I was at Disney World. My parents were fighting again. My dad had all these bruises. He said he walked into the hotel room doorknob. I don't know what happened there. But my mom just kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And and we should all just go home and straighten this out. And he's like, not till I meet Mickey. I want to meet Mickey. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And I was like, Dad, we should just go. And he's like, no. We're going to keep on keeping on, you know. We're going we're gonna to meet Mickey. He's going to make everything all right. Mickey has powers. Mickey can save us. He can bring us back together. Have you seen a fucking Christmas movie? You stupid fucking kid. And I was like four. And I was like, Dad, get your shit together. Jesus Christ, you're embarrassing everyone here in line for the teacups. No one wants to see this. But uh, <laughs> you know what? We met Mickey. It was magical. He... uh he promised me and my parents were going to get back together, and, well, that mouse fucking lied to me, and that's why I have trust issues to this day. <laughs> my dad, he had me and my sister uh, in the bar all night. He was just down in the hotel bar drinking. That's the only place you could drink back then. And, you know, he was he was just sloshed. And I saw the, the card key hanging out of his pocket, so I grabbed it, and I went back up in there. And my mom was in the hotel room, and so was Mickey. <laughs> but this time, Mickey still had Mickey's head, but he had a human body. And my mom seemed to be kneeling down in worship of him or something. I don't know. I closed, I got scared. 
It looked like a scene from The Shining. I, I ran back <laughs> to my dad. That lady loved, loved Disney. Like, from that point on, that's all she talked about was going back to Disney World. She's like, I don't know. It's just magical. It was just a magical yeah. experience. I saw a bunch of fairy dust on the on the dresser. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on. I just know Mickey had a he had a naked human body. <laughs> uh, I mean, I couldn't see if he was fully naked. He might have had underwear on. Like I said, my mom's face was in the way when she seemed to be like worshiping or whatever. Yeah, she was doing. It was oh man, it was trauma. They had, a, they had this bottle of magic potion, and he actually left it there. And I snuck in the bathroom and used some of it on myself, but it was just really slippery, and I broke my coccyx when I slipped on the floor after I squirted some of it on the tile. And then when we went back up later, my dad just immediately passed out in the bed. But I started investigating because, you know, one of my heroes, Mickey, was using the hotel room. And, you know, I started looking around and I found this this little sack that I think, I guess, the the fairy dust must have come out of. It was this little, like, rubber sack. <laughs> but when I reached into it. Oh, no. There was just, it was, all the dust had turned to, like. Um, a milky liquid or something. I don't know. <laughs> Darn, I can't. I can't. This this is disgusting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, new listeners, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Aztecs and Cortez, read the Main source of our episode, Conquistor by Buddy Levy. (laughs) Old listeners, you're in this for fucking life. Strap in, it's only getting worse. Strap in or strap on? (laughs) Daddy likes both. (laughs) So does Mickey. (laughs) I don't know, Chris's mom. Meth kind of makes me impotent. What if I put this on? It's a secret tool that will help us later. <laughs> oh. Are we even talking about history anymore? Is this show over? Are we done? I think I have a little bit left. Okay. Surely there can't be much. <laughs> so again, Cortez is still manipulating the Aztecs. Being like, well, thanks for all the fucking super gifts, but still got to talk to fucking big boy Montezuma. So, (laughs) a few days after that, the Tlaxcalans arrived, and they asked for a truce. Their leader, Zigatinga the Elder, had decided he would become a vassal of Cortez and his king if he would allow the Tlaxcalans to join him in an attack on Montezuma and the Aztecs. Cortez now had a massive army at his disposal. Look, I know we've stopped down a lot, but it, it just occurred to me that Cortez and Montezuma, it's kind of like you pull up to the stoplight and the homeless guy locks eyes with you and you have no choice and you hand him a, a two bucks or whatever and he looks in your wallet and he's like, hey, I see another 20 in there. I'm like, seriously? Give me back the two bucks, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cortez in this analogy is the homeless guy. And he's like, well, if you got two, you got 20. Just give it all to Daddy Cortez. You son of a bitch. Get off of my Mexico. And then, you know, what's about to happen happens. But that's what occurred to me. A homeless analogy. 
No spoilers, Chris. Okay, sorry. Now they're expecting something. They thought this story was just going to de-escalate and go quietly into the end, and we do a Disney episode. But you basically told them that's not going to happen. Thanks! The Spaniards hung out in Tlaxcala for a while to rest and recover. During their stay, they were met by another Aztec envoy who advised them the best route to Tenochtitlan was through the city-state of Cholula, because the Cholulans were allies of Montezuma and would be really nice to Cortez, even though the Aztecs had told him multiple times to get the hell damn crap out of their country. The Tlaxcalans told Cortez he should take another route because the Cholulans were wicked people that could not be trusted. Make good hot sauce, though. A little wooden cap. What about the uh, Tabasco River from the first I know, half? we didn't even acknowledge it. You piece of shit. You want to make the joke now, huh? They're all spicy people. They're a little picante. That means spicy in Spanish, Greg. Does it? I don't know. I haven't got that far in Duolingo. <laughs> I only know bread and water. I'm sorry. <laughs> Paniagua, por favor. Oh, ora. Ah, ora. I had the worst time at that all-inclusive resort because they just kept bringing me bread and water. Everybody else is having a great time drinking all these fancy fucking drinks and just pe- bread and water the whole time. You're looking around trying to fucking communicate. It's been 30 years since you've been to a resort-type location. Mm-hmm. You're fucking screaming. Typical American. Mm-hmm. And in the distance, in the infinity pool, you see, like, you're like, is that my mom? Is she with a man that has a Mickey <laughs> fucking head on? What is, what is this? And you do the, you close your eyes and shake your head and you open them and they're gone. And you're like, whew. Okay. All right. My childhood triggers. Yeah. He had ripped abs. Oh, that's why I immediately went back and divorced my wife. Like, right there. It's like, oh no, I know how this ends. You, the man in a mouse head, having sex in a hotel room, doing cocaine, and then I dig through the condom. I know how this ends. She's like, what are you talking about? This is our honeymoon. No! I have seen this play before, Missy! Or should I say Minnie? <laughs> You have been fucking goofy, and I know it. (laughs) Well, back to the story. Cortez still wanted Montezuma to think he was a cool dude, so he decided he would head towards Cholula. Zigatinga the Elder offered Cortez an army of 100,000 Tlaxcalan soldiers, but Cortez said that he was far too generous and only asked for 6,000 men to join his 500 or so Spaniards and 5,000 Totonacs. When he arrived, he found a massive city that Cortez said was, quote, More beautiful than any city in Spana. <laughs> the 100,000 inhabitants were known for wearing immaculate robes and were renowned for their fine pottery and jewelry. On the second day in Cholula, yet another Aztec delegation arrived. This time, they told Cortez that the people of Cholula couldn't feed the Spanish without starving themselves, and the road to Tenochtitlan was really dangerous. 
And even if Cortez made it there, Montezuma had his zoo full of dangerous animals that might accidentally kill <laughs> an unsuspecting visitor. Cortez said he'd take his chances. It's like a fucking mob boss from Goodfellas. He's like, right? hey, you know, it's be a shame if you got here and I don't know a tiger ate you. You know, just saying things happen. Over the following days, the Spanish noted that the women and children of Cholula were spotted carrying the food out of the city, that there were several holes in the streets filled with sharp stakes, and that warriors were just hanging out on the rooftops with M1 Garens. <laughs> it was around that time that one of the women in the city told Malinche, which was Cortez's main boo, that the Cholulans were planning on ambushing the Spanish and she should run away if she wanted to be saved. Instead, Malinche ran back to her boyfriend, Main Thang, <laughs> Hernan Cortez, and revealed the entire plot. Cortez spread word that he was leaving Cholula and asked to meet with the nobility of the city in his quarters. Once they were inside, Cortez barred the door and had them all killed. Mm. Outside in the courtyard, Spanish soldiers sealed off the exits and the Spanish and Tlaxcalan warriors rushed into the crowd and began to slaughter the mostly unarmed populace. The Tlaxcalans, who were ancient enemies of the Cholulans, spent hours burning and pillaging the city and massacring anyone they could find. By the time Cortez ordered them to stop, 5,000 people had been butchered. Cortez then gathered the priests and told them to tell their people it was safe to return to the city. Over time, people did reluctantly come back, and after a few days, order was restored to the city. He then sent Aztec messengers out of Cholula with a message for Montezuma, that he was a human, and he was coming. I'm a human, and I'm coming. But he was going to do so peacefully. Unlike Mickey did to my mom. He did not come peacefully. He had those big gloves on, but he was still able to choke her a little which he said was for her, but I don't think it was. Jesus Christ. I have some trust issues, okay? All I know is the next morning, I woke up and there were 80s cops all around and they were examining the scene and I was uh, I was asleep on a little throw pillow on the, on the floor. <laughs> Except it wasn't a throw pillow at all. It was a gigantic <laughs> Mickey glove covered in blood. Oh, Jesus. And then she got back with him in Mexico on my honeymoon. That bitch. That's the sad thing about abusive relationships, Chris. Is <laughs> people often go back to their their abusers. Okay. I, I just want to say, I know abusive relationships are a real thing. It's very serious. You guys should get out of them. If you're in one, you're listening to it. But the idea that my mom was... Physically and emotionally abused by a guy in a Mickey Mouse costume is pretty fucking funny. And if you can't see that, maybe you should subscribe to the Patreon for just $3 a month. We make tamer jokes back in the first episodes. Got him. No, it, it, it was the original Mickey. Oh, was it? You Old told Steve. me how you heard him like throwing around all those N words and stuff. Like he was racist. <laughs> That's old Mickey for sure. That's old Disney stock. <laughs> you told me that. 
Song of the South was the best movie we ever made. Why do we go so woke? Now we're broke. See. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, in Tenochtitlan, Montezuma received word of the massacre at Cholula and was a little perplexed. Cholula was the main shrine to Quetzalcoatl, so it made no sense that if Cortez was the reincarnated god, that he would desecrate his own shrine. So, Montezuma realized that Cortez was not the returning god, but he had no idea who the man actually was. After a few days of prayer and ritual sacrifice, Montezuma officially decided it was time to invite Cortez to the city of Tenochtitlan. Two worlds were about to collide, and you know what? We think it'll go well for both sides, but we're all going to have to wait until next time to find out. End of this part of the story. Woo! We did it. We told that part of the story of the Aztecs and Hernan Cortez, uh, brought to you by Hernan Cortez and his gold purchase business. Just like to remind you guys that that is a thing. Um, new listeners, you might think that this part of the story is over, but you would be wrong. And also, thank you for sticking with us through all of that shit. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? All right, but there is more. The more is what we like to call the fast facts. Fast fact number one. Early on in the voyage, men loyal to Governor Diego Velasquez decided that Mexico sucked and they wanted to go home, so they plotted to kill Cortez, steal his ship, and treasure, and flee to Cuba. One of the men betrayed the plot, and the leader was hanged. Another was given 200 lashes with a whip, and another was sentenced to having his feet cut off. But he was granted clemency, and Cortez only cut off a few of his toes instead. Fast fact number two. One of the ways that the Aztecs and other tribes gained prisoners for human sacrifice were through what they called flower wars. These were mock battles between the finest warriors from each side, in which the goal was to subdue the enemy rather than kill them. This allowed both sides to maintain a functioning army and prove their might while also gaining those sweet, Sweet sacrifices to their gods. Fast fact number three. Conquest might have been a genetic trait for Hernan Cortez. Shortly after he left Spain for the New World and began his expedition into Mexico, his similarly aged maternal uncle, Francisco Pizarro, left home and began his career as a conquistador. Pizarro would later lead the conquest to Peru and found the city of Lima, before being assassinated in 1541. Fast fact number four. Following the destruction of native temples in Cozumel and Totonac, Cortez chilled out ever so slightly at the behest of his favorite priest, Father Bartolomeo de Almedo. Following these forced conversions, Almedo frequently convinced Cortez that the people of Mexico weren't ready for Christianity and to give it time, rather than throwing a titty-baby temper tantrum every time he came across a blood-soaked temple. It didn't always work, 
but Almedo, at least, always made the effort to try and put a positive spin on Christianity. I am drunk. All right. Well, that does it. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. We'll come back next time for the exciting conclusion. If you can believe it, it gets even fucking crazier. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Insanity. Come back and you will see. In the meantime, you can check us out at 100proofhistory on all your social medias, 100proofhistory.com. We have also, for our Patreon listeners, we have come out with two mini episodes over the break that we just came back from. Uh, $3 a month, you get all these old episodes, like 39 classic episodes. You get 60-something mini-episode hangovers. You get early release of new episodes, $3 a month. Can you beat it? You cannot. And you can also check us out on twitch.tv slash 100proofstreams, where you're playing games, getting drunk, making commentary. And if you follow us on Facebook or YouTube or our Patreon, you can watch those live as well. That is it. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. This has been a lot of fun exercising my demons about Disney World. But uh, you know what? It's time for me to, to just fade into the ether and ask main host, best host, I don't know if there could ever be a better host. Gregory, what else? Man, I just can't help but think about your traumatizing time at Disney. What are you talking about? I had a blast. Yeah, but you know. Like that was probably knowing your age around the time that Little Mermaid was popular. You mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. we sang about earlier. It's yeah. You know, like, I want to know where my mama is. <laughs> I want to see, we want to see her dancing, walking around on those. What do you call him? Oh, horse heels. <laughs> I'm just, you uh, know, reimagining the Little Mermaid, the way that your mom and and Disney's main character would have ooh, disgustingly <laughs> made that evening. So, oh, yeah, it was good times. All right, well, thanks for bringing back up my childhood trauma. I have something talk about with my therapist this week. I guess I'll see you guys later. Goodbye then. Bye. I only celebrate one day in January. It ain't your birthday. And it ain't MLK Day. Nolan Ryan's birthday? No, sir. It is... Rob Zombie's birthday? The whole... Olsen Twins' birthday. Holy Day of our Lord. January 6th. Our Lord being Donald J. Trump. New Year's Day. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Who's at my fucking door? I'm gonna kill him. (laughs) That was actually a a better version of it. And and the correct one. Well after the fact. Nice, nice, nicely done. Thank you. Thank you for the praise. Fuck you! No, don't take it away. (laughs) I need it. (laughs) I'll see what I like.
I fucking right. hate it. I hate everything. <laughs> I hate this fucking show. I hate my life. Okay. I'm not having fun. I'm faking it. I'm a good actor. I'm having fun, so. Well, I'm just me. kidding. <laughs> I don't care if my wife fakes her orgasm, as long as that little dribble comes out of my wee-wee. Yeah, as long as I can temporarily believe it. <laughs> I did it. Sometimes, oh, man. sometimes it's more thrilling if she doesn't. <laughs> I knew I couldn't please a woman. I'm gonna tell her later, and she's gonna her face gonna be all red and stuff because she's gonna be mad about it. <laughs> I have the power. I have the power. Cortez asked the people of Zacatlan to send four chiefs to the next stop on the road to. T- Fuck it! God damn it! Always my ass. <laughs> Brain is drunk. <laughs> Baby, if my dick was a European country, it'd be Luxembourg. Baby, if you're European, I'm a coming. <laughs> I'm a human! And I'm your European! <laughs> Wait! Mix that up, babe. Shady Hook getting real. <laughs> Wife's home. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I told her I'd be done. You're but a lying whore. Because of how early we started. I'm not drunk, babe. <laughs> I was just red and I'm tired. I spilled whiskey on myself. I'm slurring my speech because I'm having a stroke. I only had two. <laughs> Don't call 911. We can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs>